You know, Josh, uh, what would have been really special is when you were walking backwards, if you could have thrown a little moonwalk in there. Right. <laughs> Take it up a notch, brother. But hey, love it, love it. Hey, good evening. I'm Scott. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I'm in recovery from sex addiction, compulsive overeating. Hey, I'm glad that you guys are here tonight. What an awesome, awesome night it has already been. And I look forward to seeing what God's going to do with the rest of the evening. Um, you got me up here a few minutes early. Awesome. No, that does not mean we get out early. That just means I get to talk longer. Awesome. So excited about that. Um, but hey, we have been walking through the 12 steps. We've been walking through gingerly. Some of it's hit you in the face. Some of it you're not ready for if you're new. Uh, it's totally okay. Uh, it's good to get information about things that will come down your, your path uh, in, the, in the future. And so um, we are on step nine right now. So we just talked about forgiving. We just talked about making amends. And tonight we're, we're uh, taking a step deeper into step nine. And this is what step nine says. We made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except to, when to do so would injure them or others, right? Great one. And a lot of us use that loophole of, well, if I tell them I did something or I have a resentment against them, that's going to hurt them. No, that doesn't get you off the hook. Come on, man. That's not what that means. Talk it out with your sponsor. But the verse that goes with that is Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. And it says this. It says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So great verse. What's that saying without saying it is you holding a resentment affects your relationship with God. If we jump all the way back to step one and we look at our denial, what happens? We alienate ourselves from God and others. Whew. How do we do that? Holding resentments. Resentments are number one offender, right? We have to come to a place where we can do this, where we can make amends and where we can forgive others. And I know that's hard to say. And Scott, good luck, because I ain't ever forgiven this person. Do you know what they did to me? Yeah, I don't, but your sponsor probably does, I hope, or somebody does, and uh, I get it. I get it. I've used this illustration a few times, um, and this is out of a book called True Faced. It's now called The Cure. They changed the title of it, so I apologize. Um, but basically, it's this guy who's walking down this path in the woods, and he's walking down the path. There's, there's two roads that he can walk on. There's one to the left and there's one to the right. And the one to the left has a sign and on that sign, it says, please God. And the one on the right says this, it says, trust God. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Which one do you choose? Both sound awesome, right? <laughs> Both sound amazing. I mean, don't I want to please God? Yeah. I want to please God. And don't I want to trust God? Yeah. So which path do you take? Well, let's go down the please God path, right? Let's go down this path of trying to please God. So you walk down this path of pleasing God. And as you do that, it winds around. It's a nice smooth path. It's well-worn. There's little gravel pieces on it there. So it's nice and flat. So if you got crutches or whatever, you don't have to uh, get in trouble there. You're, you're pretty good. And you come to this house and in this house, above this house, you see this amazing sign. And it says, 
striving to be all God wants me to be. Awesome. I'm striving to be everything that God wants me to be. That sounds inviting. I'm going to go in. So you go in, you open the door, and you're like, oh, like lights, it's all fancy, it's great. You're like, I love it. And in there, there's a, there's a sign inside this room that says, welcome to the room of good intentions. Oh, ouch. Okay, maybe I chose wrong. But you stick around, you hang out, you're seeing and you're noticing everybody kind of has a smile. They all look pretty good. They're all dialed in. Everything's well. And you're going, dude, this is awesome. This is great. I can do that. But then as time goes by, you kind of look around and you see and you notice that what they're really showing you isn't their, really their face. What you're seeing is maybe a mask. And you see a little crack here, a little crack there. And you notice, I got a mask on. And you notice there's some cracks in it. And when you, when you just like in the airport or in the airplane or when you're in a, in a, in a place where they're all COVID um, and you have to wear your mask, you look for when nobody's looking so you can take it off and get a breath of fresh air, right? <laughs> Same thing. You look and you look around and nobody's looking so you, you for a moment become vulnerable and take that mask off and somebody sees you and it goes right back up. <laughs> Why? Because... It's difficult to be vulnerable when you're in those spots. It's difficult to be vulnerable in those spots. The reality is if I try to live my life to please God and if I could only be good enough for God, then he will love me and I'll be worthy of his love. You will never make it. Believe me, I've tried. Maybe you're different, but I tried and I failed miserably. I was uh, in a grief share class this last weekend and there was a quote in that class that rocked me. And it said this, it says, sometimes our relationship with God becomes a business transaction. If I do this, God, then you'll do this. If I'm good enough, then this will happen. See, for me, here's what happened. I had my belief system. I knew what I believed, became a believer at the age of four went to church, went to a Christian school. I had all the ins and outs. I lived in a home that was God-fearing. We had relatives that were alcoholics and I wasn't allowed to talk to them, right? Don't talk to them, they're sinners. You're gonna, get, you're gonna drink. I know you're only six, but don't go over there. You're gonna drink. No, what? what? No. <laughs> I lived in a very legalistic environment. I went to a Christian school that was very legalistic. Here's all the rules of what you don't do. Not here's what God gives you freedom to do. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Back then, we actually had to wear jeans every day to, to class, and my mom only bought me 501 blue jeans that were like skin tight, and it's 501 blue jeans are as thick as anything, and I was like sweating. <laughs> I hated them. I won't wear them to this day. I'd ask my wife, I'm like, don't get me 501 blue jeans. Can't stand those suckers. So much sweat, the blue comes off on my skin. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the legalism that was there on, on chapel day, we'd have to wear a, a button-up shirt with a tie. So I had to learn how to wear a tie and tie it. It's a great thing. <laughs> Hate that stuff, but that's the way I lived. It was about your appearance. It was about the outward. It was never about your heart and what was going on inside. It was about that stuff. I mean, the Old Testament was all about the law, right? 
Wasn't it about that? You obey these laws, you do these things, and then all of a sudden you're good, right? It was about the law. Who lived up to that law? Nobody. (laughs) Only Jesus, right? That's what happened. The room of good intentions. I mean, I prayed all the time, but my prayers, or maybe I was just bad enough, God never answered my prayers that I wanted. I mean, I started looking at porn at nine years old. How come he did not remove that compulsion from me when I prayed? I mean, I memorized scripture. Did I not do it right? I mean, I had scripture memorized. I read every verse that was about sex, sexual immorality. I read all that stuff. But that was all about performance. That was all about pleasing God. And ultimately being a business transaction. Not about me. I mean, here's the reality. It's buckle up. This is my mentality. Buckle up, tighten up. The ship is battened down the hatches and let's just white knuckle it through it. How many have been in that mindset before? Just I'm struggling, just let's buckle up. Let's just do this better. I'm not gonna drink again. I'm not gonna look at porn again. I'm not gonna do this again. I'm not gonna let them get away with this again. I'm not gonna do this. How many times do we do that? All the time. All the time. Why? Because I never trusted God. So finally, we're in this room of good intentions and we go, we're done. I'm tired of wearing this mask. Everyone around me is wearing a mask. I'm done. So you get back out of that room. You go back down that nice gravel pathway and you get to this rocky, rooted pathway that looks a little bit tougher and you start to go on it. And you start walking on it, and shortly as you go down that path, you find this house that outside of it says, trust God, and it says, living out who God says I am. Sounds a lot better for me. A little bit more welcoming for me. So I open the door, and as I go into that room, it says, the room of grace. See, God is about my position and my grace. God is about my position, not by hierarchy, but my position of am I in relationship with him or not? So a lot of times we say we're in relationship with God, but we're still about performance and we're still in a business transaction, which ultimately is a relationship with ourselves and not really a relationship with him. So what's that position? And this is about finding yourself. I'm reading this book right now. It's this couple, I've read this book a couple times. The Aragon series, which is about dragons and elves and killing people. Awesome. And here's the deal. In there, there's this whole aspect of trying to find out their true name. And they have this theory, and I've heard this a lot from people, is I just want to find out who I truly am. Yellow, right? All that kind of stuff. You only live one. You do you. All that stuff, right? And we, we go out there and we want to experiment and we, we want to experiment and find out who we really are. Well, God's not talking about that. God knows who you are. And in this book, it says that you have to find your true name and it takes all your characteristics, all the things of who you are. And it boils it down and says, this is what your true name is. And we may not know who our true name is, but God does. God knows us. God formed us and made us in our mother's womb. Whether she wanted you or not, he formed you. He made you. He breathed life into you. Who you are, you're a child of God. You're wanted. I'm gonna go share a few verses about how I know that you're wanted. 
But it's in these rooms of grace that we can start to find acceptance and healing in our life. Because as you walk in there, you notice no one's wearing a mask. And there's some ugly people that could use masks, you know what I mean? But they're not wearing it because they are who they are. I just want to be loved and known for who I am. I ran into that today. I just want to be known for who I am and love for who I am. That's one of the great things about recovery is when you walk in here as messy as you are, we love you for who you are. You don't have to be anybody different. You are who you are and we love you and accept you for that. Well, tonight we're getting into the acrostic grace, but before we do that, Romans chapter six, verse 10 says this, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. God died on the cross for your sins once and for all, for all of them, for every single one. Every single sin you've ever committed, Christ died on the cross for He died. That's huge. That's huge. That's not the same verse, but I imagine I'm gonna get to that verse. I am, I imagine. I'll get to it. Let's read it right now, because then I'll see it there. It says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more Gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That Christ's power may rest on us. God gives us that grace. He is about surrender and humility and honesty. Do you have those in your life? Have you surrendered everything? Wave the white flag. I mean, are you done? Like, are you done using? Teenagers, this is the worst for you. You're in junior high, high school, and you've got issues in your life. And when I was in junior high and high school, I didn't want to stop doing what I was doing. Are you done? Have you waved the white flag and said, I'm done, I want to surrender this to you, God? Or do you still have one more good run in you? A lot of times we think we got one more good run. We don't. Just saying, we don't. Are you... Humble. Have you found humility in your life? And are you honest? First Corinthians chapter six, verse 12 says this, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. As well as first Corinthians 10, 23 that says this, all things are lawful for me, are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful but not all things build up. That's huge, guys. So we come to grace, which I already read that verse. Grace is sufficient for you. So we come to the G, and that is God's gift. God's gift. What is that gift? It's a free gift that he's given you. Are you ready to accept it, to receive it, to take it? I mean, when it's your birthday, people bring you gifts. I mean, they have to. They're your wife, they're your husband, they're your family members, they gotta get you a gift. If not, they get on the bad list, right? They kinda have to. 
But this is a gift that you didn't even know God, that he gave it to you free. He gave you a free gift. You didn't have to do one thing to receive this. But he's given it to you. Romans chapter three, verse 23 says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That we get this free gift, that we can be redeemed, we can be, our, our sins can be blotted out, not held against us by this free gift. This gift of grace. So will you take it? Will you take that free gift? Or do you still like holding on to that guilt and shame? Because I know some people that still like to hold on to that guilt and shame and punish themselves. It's tough. It's tough. Well, the R in grace is this. It's received by our faith. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This grace you've been given, you've been saved through faith. So I was looking, I had a volunteer I was gonna look for. Um, Where's Joshua? Come on up here. So Joshua, here's what I want you to do. I want you, uh, I want you to get your sponsor up here. (laughs) Already happened, awesome. (laughs) Great, Um, awesome. Do you have any guys out here that you sponsor? You got any guys out? If you're, if you're one of his sponsees, come up front. If not, that's yeah. totally cool. Yep, come on up here. Awesome. If you've been through a step study with Joshua, come up front here. If you're a part of, you're a part of Broken Chains. If you're a part of Broken Chains, come up front here. Right? If you go to his open share group, come up front here. Guys, he is not alone. A lot of times we come to recovery and we think we're alone. But he's not alone. Look at these men and women that represent people that he can in need call upon. But here's what we're gonna do. Joshua, come up to the stage, right up here, up to the front right here, and you're gonna turn around. You're gonna turn around because this is a faith thing. Guys, he's gonna fall backwards and you're going to catch him. Not me. Yeah, hold on. So, hey, get together, do what you got to do, right? I know we didn't. This is a trust fall. Do you trust me? Get together and catch this guy. Don't let him hit the ground. He's got a livelihood. All right, lock, cross your arms, lock your arms, do what you got to do. Don't let him fall. Don't let him fall. All right, he's going to go before we're ready. Are you guys ready? The, The four of you guys right here. Don't make, don't let him hit the ground. Todd, you better catch him. You better catch him, right? Oh, man. So, I know. you. Right? Here we go. This is a reality. It's a trust fall. He's going to trust fall. Boom. All right, set his feet up. Yes. Hey. Thank you guys. Go ahead and have a seat. Here's the thing is we are in this place of our life and it takes trust and faith that we can fall back and somebody's gonna catch us. That when we're in our addiction, when we're struggling, when we're in temptation, when we are going to go use again, what can we do? We can pick up that thousand pound phone and we can call friends and they're there to catch us. 
I remember the, TV, the movie Indiana Jones. Remember that movie? Yeah, great movie. And they come to this place as they're looking. I think, it, I forget which one it is, but it's, it's, they come to this edge, this ledge, and they, they've got to walk out. It's three, so he obviously knows. It's three, right? <laughs> and it's this air that he has to step on. I wouldn't have stepped. I'll be honest, I wouldn't have stepped, but do we trust and put our faith in God? And he did, and he walked, and it's a movie, and so that was awesome how that worked. But, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's the faith and that grace that God gives you that allows you to be saved. Now we just showed how that can come into play with our friends and with our accountability partners and our friends in recovery in a fun way. But reality is, is have you been able to be received by your faith? that you're received by God, by your faith in him, that trust. And do you believe that when you start to stumble, when you start to fall, that when you surrender to him, that he will catch you? I mean, do we trust him? I didn't. I did not for the longest time. I hate to be uncomfortable. I'd never trusted God with my comfort. And so when I was uncomfortable, what would I do? I would eat because pizza was way more comforting. I mean, you got that pepperoni, you got that artichoke. I know, don't mock me. Pepperoni and artichoke, that, they comfort me way more than what I thought God could comfort me. That bag of Cheez-Its would, yeah. <laughs> we got a Cheez-It lover. I love it. But we believe that stuff will comfort us. We believe that that next hit, that next drink, that next look at porn, that next thing will save us and be the solution to our problems rather than trusting God. And then the A is this, is accepted by God's love. I mean, my first time coming to Celebrate Recovery, I did it because I wanted to get my wife off my back. I showed up late. I sat in the back because I didn't want anybody to know me. I wanted to sneak in and sneak out. And I sat down and this dude that's sitting in front of me turns around and goes, hey, Scott, how are you? And I'm like, ah, I'm known. <laughs> I thought this was anonymous. What's happening? <laughs> Freaked out, man. I'm just here checking it out. You know, the here for a friend, just, you know. <laughs> right? Didn't know what to do. Next thing I know, I'm sitting in a group of addicts, and this is before we had our sex addiction group, so I'm sitting in this group of addicts, chemical addicts, and we're sitting there, but there was a codependent group, and there was addict group. I didn't have any place to go, and I'm just sitting there, and everyone's going around, sharing their name, and what they're there for, and then I go, I'm Scott, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, I'm in recovery for sex addiction. Awkward. Right? <laughs> But here's the thing, I was accepted. They said, hey, Scott. You mean they didn't fix me like the other 15 people that found out about my addiction? They didn't try to throw a Bible verse at me. They didn't say I need to just pray more. You know, you just gotta pray more. None of that. What they did is they just accepted me for who I was, whether I talked or not. But I talked and I cried my first night there. And nobody rejected me. Nobody said, hey, get out of here. <laughs> Go make your own group. 
No. They didn't say that. They said, glad you're here. And then a couple weeks later, we had a sex addiction group. It was great. It was great how that worked. Get that weird guy out, man. Um, no, but it's this. It's Romans chapter five, verse eight. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Dude, in all your sin, God knew you when you were on the streets, when you were running amok. God knew you when you were in the depth of your sin. God knew you in those moments, and guess what? He still died on the cross for you. The worst thing you've ever done in your life, God died on the cross for. And you're loved. While you were still a sinner, before you ever acknowledged him, before you ever said, hey God, I love you, before you even called upon his name, God said, I love you. I'm gonna show you I love you by my actions. I'm gonna die on the cross for your sins. That's powerful. And you are accepted by God's love. If you're in here and you feel like there's no place that accepts you, I hope that that tonight changes your mind. You're accepted and you're loved. Hebrews chapter four, verse 16 says this. Let us then with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That we would draw near to God, that throne of grace. See, he's not up there as a dictator ready to smite you. Yeah, I love that word, smite. He's not there to strike you down with lightning, to lop off your head. He's not there to kill you or destroy you. He's there to accept you, to forgive you. When we've been able to take these steps and we're able to understand what God has done for us and we're able to take a, a, receive God's gift, received by our faith, we're accepted by God's love, then we can then go boldly before the throne of grace with confidence knowing that we are forgiven. Not a groveling peasant begging for him not to just lay out punishment upon us. Why? Because Christ already paid the price, which is the C. Christ paid the price for your sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. What you are do because you're a sinner like me, you are to receive death. So let that sink in. You're to receive death. But God says no. He already paid the price. Because while we were still sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. He paid that price. And if we've received him, if we've accepted that free gift, then we have eternal life in Christ Jesus. And that's huge. Because he paid that price. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven says this. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins is in accordance with the riches of God's grace. We've received forgiveness because he died on the cross for us. I mean, there's no more guilt. There shouldn't be any more guilt and shame 
when we reach this step nine and we go to make amends, that guilt and shame should be already taken care of. When we go to forgive, there should not be this, this resentment that we're holding on to going, like, I'm gonna forgive them, but I still hope something happens to them later. <laughs> we can't do that. I'm like that, believe me. I'm like, well, I know my mom told me I always have to forgive, so I'll forgive, but I hope he gets punched in the face. <laughs> right? May get smote, smited, whatever it is. But here's the thing, that there is, if Christ paid the price, if he already paid it, then why are you punishing yourself? Why are you holding on to that guilt? Why are you holding on to that shame? Why have you not forgiven yourself in the same process to let go of that? That you may be healed, that you may be able to be at a place that you can enjoy his riches and receive this everlasting gift. Everlasting. It's not taken back. He doesn't give you something, like when I was a kid, here, you can play with this and then take it back. No. We used to call that something growing up, but I heard it's not PC anymore, so I don't know how to, what, to, what they call it nowadays. Retaker, right? So it's this everlasting gift. Now, AA will call it something different. AA says this, that it is a new freedom that we receive. We receive this new freedom. That we don't have this albatross on our shoulders holding us down. We don't have the weight of our sins on us anymore, but we are free because Christ has already taken those things. He's already removed those things. Philippians chapter one, verse six says this, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God is still working in your life and he's gonna continue to work in your life. The question is, are you gonna let him? What room are you choosing tonight? Are you choosing that path to just please God, to make it a business transaction? Or are you choosing the path that says trust God? And maybe tonight you have never put your trust in God. Maybe you are just now understanding that man, you have sinned and you fall short of the glory of God, but you've never received that gift. Well, the only thing you need to do to receive that free gift is to accept it, to believe in your heart and to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. It's that simple. Man, I ran out of time. So here's what I wanna do. If you've never done that before and you want to receive that free gift, I want you to raise your hand right now and stand up. Just stand up. Don't raise your hand. Just stand up. Be bold. He's already standing. Amen. I got him. Awesome. 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 Here's what I wanna do. I wanna talk to you guys afterwards real quick. I'm gonna meet back in this corner back here. So afterwards, go back there, it'll be real quick. 
and uh, then you guys can get to your groups. Um, but let's, everyone else, stand up with our brothers and sisters. Let's close our time with the serenity prayer. And uh, we'll head off to group. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Amen.